You're listening to the podcast of Christ Walk Church in Fernandina Beach, Florida, where we exist to inspire people to follow Jesus every day. We hope that these messages encourage and challenge you to live for something more. If you'd like to know more about our church, you can find us online at thechristwalk.com. Thanks again for listening. Now here's today's message. Well, Christ Walk Church, what's up? How's everybody doing today? So good to see all of you on this, this chilly morning here in Northeast Florida. Um, it was, uh, felt good this morning. I was, I was glad. I was happy for my wife who loves the four seasons, loves the cold weather. And so um, even though it's not necessarily agreeable with me, um, I can be happy about it because uh, when mama's happy, everybody's happy. You know what I'm talking about? Can I get a witness in the house? Um, before we jump into today's message, uh, this past Thursday was Veterans Day, and I would be remiss if we did not recognize our veterans this morning. And so if you, um, if you are currently serving in our armed forces or you previously uh, have served in our armed forces, would you just stand so that we could recognize you? Um, is there anybody in the house? Yeah, there's a handful. Can we just give, our, give them a hand? I want to thank you so much. Thank you so much for, for your sacrifice and the things that, that you do um, and your, your families do so that we, uh, so that we can be free. And um, maybe, maybe you noticed uh, the table that we have out in the lobby. Um, it's got some toy soldiers on it. Um, and so if you, if you didn't grab one on the way in, I would encourage you on the way out, grab one of those toy soldiers and take it with you and put it uh, maybe in your car or uh, on the vanity in your bathroom or your nightstand or whatever. And every time you see that toy soldier over the coming days, weeks, and months, I would encourage you to pray for uh, our men and women uh, in uniform and their families and just pray blessing and care and a covering of protection over them. And uh, that's probably the greatest thing that we could do uh, to honor our servicemen and women. So I would highly encourage you guys to do that. Um, so thank you all for, for your incredible service. Uh, we're, we're forever grateful. Um, if you got your Bible, you got a smart device, uh, why don't you turn with me or swipe with me to um, <clears throat> the Old Testament. We're going to be uh, in the second book of the Old Testament, the book of Exodus, um, we're going to start in uh, chapter 13 and we'll spill over into chapter 14 as we go. Today, we're kicking off a brand new series called Stretch. And uh, over the next three weeks, we're going to take a look at a handful of situations from the scriptures where people stretched and uh, what the end result of that was, what it looked like, what, what was required to go through that stretching and what the end result of it is. This, this series is going to kind of piggyback off of last week's message, which was a part of Vision Sunday. If you haven't uh, listened to or watched that message, I would highly encourage you to go back Check it out on our podcast or on our YouTube channel. Um, we kind of laid out the vision for the coming year and, and even beyond of kind of where the Lord is leading us. But as a part of that message, I talked about the prophet Elisha who um, went up into his upper room and, and he stretched himself out on uh, the Shunammite woman's son who had passed away. And, and uh, the Bible says that, that he aligned his, 
his, uh, his eyes with the boy's eyes, his mouth with the boy's mouth, and his hands with the boy's hand. And, and so, um, and, and that as a result of that, the Lord breathed new life into him and the, the child came back to life. And, and I'm believing that as you and I, see, I've got my rubber band on. I'm believing that as you and I stretch, as you and I, over the coming days, weeks, and months, um, as, as we, we put ourselves in position to stretch in different areas of our lives, that God is going to come alongside and he's going to give us a new vision. He's going to give us a new voice and he is going to give us a new vitality. And so that's what we're going to be talking about over the next uh, three weeks. And so for the next few minutes this morning, I want to talk to you about stretching your vision, stretching our vision, the way that we see. And uh, I'm a regular user of um, the, the maps app on my phone. Uh, even when I'm traveling to places that, that I go to quite often, just, I will typically just punch in, um, you know, the address, even though if I have a, uh, an idea of where I'm headed or um, like, let's say that we're traveling for the holidays and we're going back to, um, you know, one of, our, one of our hometowns, it's a place that we're familiar with. We know the way we've been there before. I'll still will typically punch it in to the GPS so that I can get turn by turn directions. And, and I don't know about you, but sometimes I do that and then I get in an argument with the GPS Anybody ever done that before? Like you put in the address and then you look at the turn by turn, you go, I'm not going that way. Like that, why would you go that way? Like that seems to be the, the long way around. That's, that's so far out of the way. I, I'm going to ignore what Sheila, ours is named Sheila. You probably have a name for yours. I'm going to ignore what Sheila's telling me to do because even though I've asked her to show me the way, I know the way. And I'm going to go this way. I'm going to turn this way. I'm going to go and take this exit instead of that exit because the things that she's telling me just don't make sense. And, and when I do that, I discover that, that when I choose to go my own way, what happens is I usually get behind a wreck or I get stuck in traffic or um, I didn't realize that there was a detour or some construction or whatever, or I end up getting lost all in the long run because I thought I knew what was best and I thought that my way was the best way. But the, the problem was is that I couldn't see the whole picture of everything that was going on. I didn't have all of the access to the same information that, that Sheila had. And, and I've also discovered that a lot of times in my walk with the Lord, I can treat him the way that I treat Sheila. That I ask him for directions. We'll do this. Maybe you've had an experience like this in your life. We'll, we'll ask him for directions. And he begins to lay out this path in front of us of this is where we need to go. And these are the things that, that we need to do. And then we want to argue back with him. We want to say, God, what, if this is your way, why, why is this happening? God, if, if, if this is part of your plan, why is my life moving in, in that direction? God, if, if this is the direction that I'm supposed to head, then, then why are you not moving here? Or why is this taking so long? Or God, this just doesn't make any sense, the pathway that you have me on. 
I just don't understand. And in Exodus chapter 13, we find the Israelites, and they are in a similar situation. They have been uh, in Egypt as slaves for 400 years. And 30 years, and the Lord um, has finally sent Moses uh, to be the deliverer, to take the people of Israel out of Egypt and to direct them into the promised land. And so uh, Moses goes in with his, uh, with his brother Aaron, and, um, and they go and they hold court with Pharaoh, and uh, Pharaoh is not going to let the people go. And so many of you know the story, um, the Lord gives Uh, Moses and Aaron, the ability to cause these plagues to come on the nation of of Egypt. And and, and time and time again in the scriptures, it says that either Moses or, or Aaron, that they would stretch out their staff and then the Lord would cause these things to happen, the water turning to blood and gnats and flies and boils and, and um, uh, death of the livestock and hail and locusts and uh, frogs and all this crazy stuff starts happening. And so finally Pharaoh relents and he tells, he tells Moses, he was like, yeah, take your people and go get them out of here. And so um, we have the, the Passover moment where uh, the, 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 um, the, the firstborn is sacrificed or, or, or is killed by the death angel. And, and the people, they put the blood of the lamb on their doorposts. And so they're given safe passageway out of Egypt and they're headed into, uh, to, in the direction of the promised land. And um, they go a particular route that doesn't really make all that much sense when you look at it. And the the people begin to grumble and complain. And and we pick up in Exodus chapter 13, uh, starting with verse 17. It said, when Pharaoh finally let the people go, God did not lead them along the main road that runs through Philistine territory. Even though that was the shortest route to the promised land. God said, if the people are faced with a battle, they might change their minds and return to Egypt. So God led them in a roundabout way through the wilderness toward the Red Sea. And thus, the Israelites left Egypt like an army ready for battle. Verse 19, Moses took the bones of Joseph with him, for Joseph had made the sons of Israel swear to do this. And he said, God will certainly come to help you. And when he does, you must take my bones with you from this place. The Israelites left Succoth and camped at Etham on the edge of the wilderness, and the Lord went ahead of them. He guided them during the day with a pillar of cloud, and he provided a light at night with a pillar of fire. And this allowed them to travel by day or by night. And the Lord did not remove the pillar of cloud or the pillar of fire from its place in front of the people. Now, trickling over into um, chapter 14, we continue picking up there with verse 1. So the Lord gave these instructions to Moses. Order the Israelites to turn back and camp by Pi-Hahirath between Migdal and the sea. Camp there along the shore, across from Baal-Zephon. And then Pharaoh will think, the Israelites are confused. They are trapped in the wilderness. And once again, I will harden Pharaoh's heart and he will chase after you. I've planned this in order to display my glory through Pharaoh and his whole army. And after this, the Egyptians will know that I am the Lord. So the Israelites camped there as they were told. Verse 5. When word reached the king of Egypt that the Israelites had fled, Pharaoh and his officials, they changed their minds. 
What have we done letting all those Israelite slaves get away, they asked. So Pharaoh harnessed his chariot and called up his troops. And he took with him 600 of Egypt's best chariots along with the rest of the chariots of Egypt, each with its commander. The Lord hardened the heart of Pharaoh, the king of Egypt. So he chased after the people of Egypt who had left uh, with fists raised in defiance. The Egyptians chased after them with all the forces in Pharaoh's army, all his horses and chariots and charioteers and his troops. The Egyptians caught up with the people of Israel as they were camped beside the shore near Pihahirath, across from Baal Zephon. Verse 10. As Pharaoh approached, the people of Israel looked up and panicked when they saw the Egyptians overtaking them. And they cried out to the Lord and they said to Moses, Why did you bring us out here to die in the wilderness? Weren't there enough graves for us in Egypt? What have you done to us? Why did you make us leave Egypt? Didn't we tell you this would happen while we were still in Egypt? We said, leave us alone. Let us be slaves to the Egyptians. It's better to be a slave in Egypt than a corpse in Egypt. The wilderness, And so here we see the people of Israel, and they, they're arguing with, with Moses and ultimately with God. They're saying, there was a much shorter route. Moses, you've taken us the wrong way, and now we've gone the wrong way, and, and we're out here, and we don't know which way we're going to turn. We don't know what we're going to do, and, and why have you put us in this position? We've prayed and we've believed for, for God to deliver us from slavery, and, and this is what happens. This is where we get. This is where you have us to go. Wouldn't it have been better for us to just stay back in Egypt? Wouldn't it have been better for us to remain slaves? Wouldn't it have been better for us to die there rather than to die here? Like, what were you thinking in all of this? I love verses 13 and 14. It's going to be where we're going to spend the bulk of our time today. It says, but Moses told the people, don't be afraid. Just stand still and watch the Lord rescue you today. The, Egyptian, the Egyptians you see today will never be seen again. The Lord himself will fight for you. Just stay calm. Just stay calm. Perhaps you find yourself in a situation like the Israelites found themselves. Perhaps you are between a rock and a hard place, that behind you there is an enemy that is barreling down upon you. They're breathing down your neck, and then in front of you seems an insurmountable obstacle, and you are not sure which way to turn. You don't know why life has brought you to this point, and you are having difficulty finding God in all the midst of it. I hope that this will be some encouragement to you. And I want to talk to you for the next few moments about four keys that you and I need to receive a new vision. Four keys to receiving a new vision. And it comes to us right there out of verses 13 and 14 of Exodus chapter 14. And the first one is, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. It's the first key to receiving a new vision is, is to, to don't be afraid. But, you know, I, I've discovered that, that in my own life and in the lives of people around me, that anytime there's bad news, 
Anytime there's a negative report at the doctor, anytime that, that you get the pink slip um, in, in, in your box at work, anytime um, uh, something unexpected that is going to cost a lot of money happens, there's a, a car repair or, or um, you know, the, the um, you know, an, an injury or, or something like that. There's, there's difficulty, there's struggle, there's, there's something that, that changes our situation, that pulls us uh, uh, rapidly. It just jerks us out of our comfort zone. I've discovered that fear is often our first reaction. Fear is often the, the first reaction. And, but, but when it comes to fear, um, the, the Bible is, is very clear. When it comes to fear, what should we do? The Bible says don't. When, when it comes to fear, when, when, when I'm afraid, what should I do? The Bible says stop. When it comes to fear, we shouldn't be afraid. When, when it comes to the, those feelings of, of, of being afraid, the, the Bible says stop feeling that way. It's said that, that there are 365 references in all of Scripture reminding us to have no fear or to not be afraid, that, that there's one for every single day of the year so that we can get up and we can be reminded that we're supposed to live whatever comes our way today, that we are supposed to live without fear. And I love this quote from Bob Proctor. He says, faith and fear both demand that you believe in something that you cannot see. You get to choose. Faith and fear both demand that you believe in something that you cannot see. And we get to choose which one we're going to walk in. Are we going to walk in, in faith in, 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 in the Lord? Are we going to walk in faith over the track record that we have throughout the course of his word, the things that he has done in our lives up to this point, the things that we've seen him do in the lives of other people up to this point? Are we going to walk in that or are we going to walk in fear and just automatically assume the word? that bad news is going to get even badder, <laughs> you know, that, that, that the situation that we're in, that, that it's going to turn out to be the worst case scenario. Which one are we going to choose? See, the, there, there's a big difference between faith and fear. The difference between faith and fear is that fear wonders, what if? But faith proclaims, even if. Fear wonders, well, well, what if this happens? And then what if that happens? And what if this snowballs into that? And what if this goes that way? And, and, and faith says, even if all of those things happen, I'm still just going to trust him. Faith is the position that Meshach, Shadrach, and Abednego took as they stood in front of Nebuchadnezzar who was threatening to throw them into the fiery furnace. They said, King, we believe that our God can save us from the fire, but even if he doesn't, we still won't bow. That's faith over fear. Joshua 1.9 says, this is my command to you. Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or discouraged, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. No matter what you face, the command of the Lord, not the suggestion, not the if you get around to it or if you feel like it, the command of the Lord is do not be afraid, because I am with you. So number one, 
Don't be afraid. Number two, just stand still. Just stand still. The, the Hebrew word for, for this in, in the scripture is actually yasab. And it means to station or position oneself. It literally means to stay the course. To just keep doing what you're doing. It, it harkens back to uh, where we've decided ahead of time. We have, we've determined ahead of time how we are going to operate. And then whenever adversity comes our way, we just stay the course. We just stay in line. We just keep moving in the direction that we are moving. It's, it's coming to the realization that the only way to our destination is to go through something else. The only way to it is through it. And, and sometimes there are going to be speed bumps along the route to our destination. When we're moving from here to here, it's not always going to be in the straightest line. It's not always going to be in the most comfortable path. But when God is with us, we can trust that we can just stay the course, keeping our arrow pointed in his direction. And that regardless of how rocky and uneven and unsettling the terrain becomes, that we are going to be okay. We just stand still, or, or maybe your translation says stand firm. Just know what you believe, know what you're founded upon, and just keep standing on that. That every step you take, no matter how shaky the foundation, our foundation is not on the things of this world. It is on the rock of Jesus Christ. And so we're just going to stand firm on that. And we know that, that we may be walking through some stuff, but we're going to walk through it to get to it, to where God is leading us. Winston Churchill famously said, if you're going through hell, keep going. If you're going through hell, keep going. That's probably the greatest encouragement that I have for somebody this morning. If you are going through hell in your life, just keep going. There's an, like a country song that says something like, don't slow down, you know, like, don't look around. Just, just keep going. If that's what you're experiencing today, just keep going. Just keep walking through it. Question that you, a question that you might ask yourself is, is, am I here? Am I in the midst of this hell? Am I experiencing this storm? Am I facing this struggle, this adversity, the, this situation or circumstances? Is it because of faithlessness or disobedience on my part? Or am I in this situation because I'm, I'm being obedient to the Lord and I'm walking by faith? If, if the answer is, you're in this situation because you've disobeyed or because there's a lack of faith, then I would encourage you to, to take caution and perhaps redirect. But if you can say, the way that I'm living my life and, and, and I, I'm confident in the things that God has called me to and I, I know that, that I'm, I'm experiencing this even as, as a result of just walking by faith, then, then proceed. Just keep going in the direction that you are going. My dad used to tell me, um, growing up, he would always tell me when, whenever there was, um, you know, a, a conflict or, or I wrestled with, um, with, you know, what I believed or a, a decision that I was making or whatever, he would always ask me, you know, son, what, what do you believe the Lord's telling you? What, what's your gut telling you and everything? And then, and then once you've made the decision, he would always say this, just stick to your guns. Stick to your guns. 
That's what Moses is telling the people and ultimately telling us that, that when we've decided to place our feet firmly on the rock, the foundation of Jesus Christ, we just need to stick to our guns. No matter what we go through, we're not going to veer off to the left. We're not going to veer off to the right. We are going to, to, to stay firmly planted and rooted on the foundation of God and his word. And we are just going to keep going no matter what comes our way. Number one, don't be afraid. Number two, just stand still. Number three, the third key that you and I need to unlock a new vision in our life. It's what Moses says. He says, watch the Lord rescue you. Watch the Lord rescue you. This, it literally means see the salvation of the Lord. See the salvation of the Lord today. This is, this is an invitation to all of us to decide what or, or who our focus is going to be on. Is, is our focus going to be on, on Jesus Christ and his salvation? Or is it going to be on that test score? Is it, is it going to be on the deliverance of the Lord or is it going to be on that unexpected bill that came in the mail? Is it, is it going to be on Christ or is, it going to be, uh, is our focus going to be on that broken relationship in our life? Is it going to be on Jesus or is our focus going to be on the doctor's report? Are we, are we going to focus in on, on Jesus Christ and the, the, his blessings, the things that he's done for us in our life? Or are we going to focus in on the number on the bank statement? Is it going to be on Christ or is it going to be on the addiction or the hurt or the pain or the doubt or the frustration? Because the truth is, is that the thing we choose to focus on is the thing that gets fed. And whatever we feed is the thing that grows. So where's our focus going to be? Because what we focus on gets fed. So we get to decide, am I going to focus on the problem or am I going to focus on the solution? Because if, if we're going to see differently, then we have to look differently. Does that make sense to anybody this morning? If we're going to see differently, we've got to, to look differently. And so we've got to decide right now, are we going to focus on our situation or are we going to focus on our Savior? That's what Moses was telling the Israelites. He was like, hey, you, you got you to look at this whole thing differently. But Moses, you don't understand that there's the Red Sea is right there and the army is right there. And we're right here in the middle of those two things. And Moses is like, no, you don't see. In order to see, you've got to look differently. He told them in verse uh, 13 and 14, he said, The Egyptians you see today will never be seen again. The Lord himself will fight for you. And as I was reading this, I, 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 was, I was thinking about some of the things that I've experienced and, and am currently experiencing in my life. And, and I, was, I was thinking about many of you and, and some of the things that, that you're walking through as well. The, the things that we hear, the, the stories that we share, the, the prayer requests that are exchanged. And I got to thinking, you know, it's true. It, it may not be here in, in this life but it will definitely be for eternity. 
But because that, that's, that's the hope that we have. That, that the challenges and the difficulties and the struggles of this world, that they're only temporary. The problems that we currently have, they're not going to last forever. And, and even if they aren't rectified here in, on, on this earthly plane, in this realm, the, the day is coming when, when that stuff isn't going to carry over anymore. It's exactly like we say all the time, that because of Jesus, the best is yet to come. And for those of us that we've placed our hope and our trust in Jesus Christ, the day is soon coming when we're going to see the salvation of the Lord in all of its fullness. That the stuff that we're experiencing right now will be no more. And so Moses, he's, he's encouraging the people and, and, and he's telling them, he said, number one, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. Number two, just stand still. Number three, watch the Lord rescue you. And if you, if you want to unlock a new vision in your life, if you want to unlock a new vision in the middle of your, of your situation, number four, the fourth key to that is to just stay calm. Just stay calm. It, it's actually a, a Hebrew word, haras, which means to be deaf to remain silent or to let alone, to be deaf, to remain silent or to let alone. That what Moses was telling the people and ultimately how this applies to us is that whatever that situation, that circumstance in our life is, number one, we just need to tune it out. We need to be deaf to it. I've always loved Loved kids, loved being around kids. Had a long stretch as a children's pastor before becoming a lead pastor. It's kind of the same thing, just the kids are bigger. <laughs> but before, before I became a parent myself, there were, there were things that kids would do that would just aggravate the snot out of me. And, and a lot of it was just, you know, kids, just a bunch of nonsense and noise and everything. Like a child, they can just generate an ungodly amount of nonsense and noise <laughs> just all the time. But now, after having two kids of my own, tuning things out has become like a superpower. <laughs> like almost to a fault. Like, sometimes there's just things that go on that I have no idea about. And, like, we've been in the car, like, with other, with other people's kids, you know, and they're crying and screaming and everything in the background. And they're like, someone's like, do you not hear that? And I'm like, hear what? <laughs> you just, I don't, it's like there's just a callus over your eardrums. I don't know what it is. You just, learn to, you just learn to tune it out. We, we've got to learn that, that whatever it is that we are facing, it's just noise. It's just distraction. It's just a bunch of nonsense. We can just tune it out. It means not just to turn a deaf ear to it. It, it means to, to remain silent about it. It means don't complain about it. I mentioned my two kids this is the part of the message that they always really, really like. 
whenever I'm going to talk about one or both of them. Um, one of them in particular has a bit of, we'll call it, flair for the dramatic. <laughs> now, I'm not naming any names, but she made the cheer team. I'm not going to, I said I wasn't going to name any names. But she, she, made, she made the cheer team at Uly Middle this school year. Because apparently the Lord wanted to bless us with an extra measure of drama <laughs> in our life. That girl loves her some cheer. And she looks super cute in the little uniform. But I will go to pick her up from practice. And immediately when she gets in the car, hey, baby, how was your day? It was good. How was practice? <sighs> and then here comes a tangent followed by a rabbit trail, followed by another tangent about how they had to run and they had to do this extra and how the stunt wasn't going right and the coach fussed at them and, you know, this and that. And it's all this stuff and like 90 miles a minute and I'm trying to keep up with it all and everything. And, and, and most every day, after I pick her up from practice, we have a conversation that goes like this where, where I remind her, hey, this, this is what you wanted. This is, this is what you prayed for. This is what you talked about. This is what you worked so hard for. So, so calm down. It's going to be okay. This is just part of it. And instead, of, instead of complaining about it, what can I learn from it? That, that's, that's the place we've got to get to. That, that, that God, we, we, we've prayed for so long. God, would, would, you, would you do this thing in my life? God, would you deliver me from this place? Lord, would you make this thing happen? Would you open this door? Would you close this door? And then, and then God goes about doing those things and we complain about the way he's going about it. Because he's trying to teach us something. He's trying to develop something in us. Moses is saying, stay calm. It, it, means, it means tune it out. Turn a deaf ear to it. It means, it means don't, don't say anything. Be silent about it. Don't complain about it. It also means to, to let it alone. Moses is saying, don't, don't meddle in it. Don't meddle in it. Would have gotten away from, with it too if it wasn't for you meddling kids. When... You've experienced this, if you're anything like me, when, when someone is, is completing a task, but they aren't doing it the way that you want them to do it. You know what I'm talking about? And, and you feel like it is your God-given responsibility to point out to them the error of their ways. How often is it that, that we want to put our hands on the things that God is trying to do. We want to let him know, hey, hey, God, you're, you're not doing that the way that I wanted you to do it. God, you're, you're going about this all wrong. God, the, the, the way, see, the way you're doing it is making me really uncomfortable. And so I would prefer that you solve this issue in my life and also allow me to be comfortable and easygoing and relaxed in the process. 
It's a reminder to us that, that God, he knows what he's doing. He doesn't need our help. There is no course correction when it comes to the way that he goes about things. He simply needs us to just trust that he's in control and that he's going to move and he's going to make a way on his time and not before. So we skip down to verse 21 in our passage, Exodus 14, 21. It says, Then Moses raised his hand over the sea. Or perhaps some translations say that he stretched his hand over the sea, and the Lord opened up a path through the water with a strong east wind. And the wind blew all that night, turning the seabed into dry land. So the people of Israel walked through the middle of the sea on dry ground with walls of water on each side. Here's what this passage is communicating to us. Here's, here's what it takes for us to embrace a new vision, and it's simply this, is that what we see as an opposition, God sees as an opportunity. The things we see as opposition, God sees as opportunity. When Moses stretched, God moved, and the people were able to finally see what was going on. And, and, and the thing that they saw that day, the way that God moved that day, ultimately it's, it's pointing us to the way that he's continuing to move even now. See, the people of Israel, they, they walked through the Red Sea sure-footed on dry ground to step foot into the promised land. And where they went, the enemy could not follow. See, when you and I, when we place our trust in Jesus Christ as the Lord and Savior, we are cleansed from sin by the red sea of his blood that was poured out at Calvary. And through his sacrifice, you and I, we are granted safe and certain passage into the promised land that we are destined for, which is heaven. And where we are headed, the enemy, the sickness, the sin, the situations and circumstances, the struggles of this world, they are not able to follow us there. That's the promise that we have. And so in reading this passage and in, in gaining a new vision, it allows us to kind of back up and, and get a 30,000 foot view to get the whole picture of everything that God is doing. And, and when the pathway was made through the sea that day and, and the approximately 2 million Israelites walked through the Red Sea on dry ground with a tower of water on this side and a tower of water on this side. And they saw it come back and, and swallow up the Egyptian army that chased after them. The enemy never to be seen again. The end result was this. It says in verse 31, when the people of Israel saw the mighty power that the Lord had unleashed against the Egyptians, they were filled with awe before him. They put their faith in the Lord and in his servant Moses. What we see is an opposition God sees as an opportunity. It's an opportunity for his power and his glory to be revealed in our lives. And it's an opportunity for us to trust him and strengthen our faith. 
So the question is, out of those four steps, don't be afraid. Stand still. Watch the Lord. See his salvation. Stay calm. Which step do you need to take today? Is it today I'm, I'm going to choose faith over fear in the situation that I'm currently facing? Or, or perhaps it's, 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 you know, life's pretty great right now, but no doubt there's a storm on the horizon. And so maybe it's just you're deciding now. You're choosing how you're going to operate should a situation arise in your life. Maybe it's making the decision to shift your focus from your circumstance and, and put it on your Savior. Perhaps it's choosing and asking someone to hold you accountable that as I walk through the midst of this, I'm not going to worry. I'm not going to complain. I'm not going to try to meddle and put my hands on it. I'm just going to trust God. Perhaps today it's even making the decision to once and for all step across the line and into a covenant relationship with Jesus Christ. To quit playing games, to finally get serious about the life that you want to live, the life you want for yourself, the life that you want for your family and the generations that are yet to come. You can do that today by placing your hope and trust in Jesus as, as Lord and Savior. And know that the things that you're walking through, the, the things that you are experiencing, that you don't have to do that alone. But there is a God who loves you so much that he sent his one and only son to die in your place so that you could be set free from sin and that you could live with him for eternity. And for those of us that have placed our hope and our trust in him as Lord and Savior, as I've said many times before, and I will continue to say it, the things of this world are merely temporary and they have no eternal hold on us because we are going to a promised land where the enemy cannot follow. If that's you today, here in this room, watching online, I want to invite you to pray this very simple prayer with me. Heavenly Father, I admit that I'm a sinner and that I'm lost without you. I believe that Jesus died in my place, making a way for us to have a relationship. Today, I choose to follow Jesus and his way for the rest of We hope you enjoyed this episode of the Christ Walk Church podcast. Don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss out on future episodes. To find out more information about Christ Walk Church, including our service times, how to connect with us on social media, and the ministry opportunities we have for you and your family, simply visit our website at thechristwalk.com. Thanks again for listening, and don't forget, because of Jesus, the best is yet to come.